Blog Talk Radio.
Welcome, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. This is T-Love, your host here at Energy Awareness Radio. I am a certified reconnective healing practitioner, sound therapist, and positive psychology practitioner with a private practice in Sussex County, New Jersey, where Energy Awareness Radio streams to you live each and every week. Our chat room is open. Feel free to join that discussion. We do keep an eye on the chat room. If you have a question, post it. We'll do our best to get your question on air as an alternative for those of you who are on the go and cannot continue to listen online. Please call us directly by dialing 347-202-0227. That way you can listen via phone or please be sure to use your Bluetooth if you are driving. As you all know, Audible.com is our main sponsor, but did you know that a Pennsylvania study found that exercisers went to the gym 50% more often when they had an audiobook on hand? That's absolutely true. I myself look forward to learning or being entertained while I'm on my tread climber because the time goes by quickly and I'm actually accomplishing something. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information, and Audible.com has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products to choose from. So you can listen whenever and wherever you want, including the gym. So just download the title you prefer free of charge and start listening when you sign up for a 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash energyawareness. It's that easy, audibletrial.com slash energyawareness. Okay, listeners, I ask this a lot, and you all know I am a huge proponent of meditation. So do you meditate? Now, if you listen to this show, you really should be because we talk about this often enough. And if you answered yes, then yay, kudos to you because you're doing a world of good for yourself, as you know. But if you answered no, well, why not? Is it that you don't have time? Are you not able to stop that mind chatter? Are you not good at it? Is that what you think? These are the typical questions people do not meditate. But as I'm always saying, you don't have time not to meditate. And tonight, we're going to share more facts about meditation that may just make you change your mind. It's easy. It's motivating. It's inspiring. And once you get going, you'll wonder why you didn't start this earlier. Or as one of my patients recently said to me, gosh, T, I wish I started this sooner. Why didn't you make me? Well, I can't make anyone do anything. That's not my job. You You need to come to it on your own. But I can invite guests who can explain and offer ways to make it more palatable for those who are a bit put off by meditation. So that's where we're headed this evening. Sit back, relax, and be open to the way in which you can open to meditation. Now, my guest is Diana Lang, an author of the author of Opening to Meditation, which is our topic for discussion this evening. She is the owner and director of the LifeWorks Center for Growth in Los Angeles and is also very active in a variety of nonprofit international efforts to teach meditation and yoga. And you can learn more about her by visiting her website, www.dianalang.com. That's D-I-A-N-A-L-A-N-G.com, and it's on the show page so go and check it out and write it down now so you can check it out after the show so welcome to the show diana thank you so very much for taking time to join us here on energy awareness radio how are you being (laughs) 
Well, it's such a pleasure to be on your show, T. It's just wonderful, and I loved your opening song. And I wanted to say thank you for having me. <laughs> and I am being yep. just fine. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, good. Well, yes. you got that because you're a meditation teacher. Many people don't. They look at me because I will say to people, instead of how are you doing, I'll say, how are you being? And they yes. look at me like, are you from another country? And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm, or perhaps I'm from another planet where I get that we're not doing, we are being, you know? <laughs> so that's kind exactly. of Exactly. No, it's a great question. It's a great reframe, right? Because we're creating our reality and so one is passive and one is active and one is you know could be considered victim and one could be considered hero sure it's got all different facets to it but it it always (laughs) catches people unless they unless they know you know when i talk to anyone who teaches yoga you know i go to yoga retreats and they're like oh yeah okay we get it (laughs) i'm like well that's not very nice (laughs) <laughs> well, your book is such it's such a quick read. It's easy to understand. It gets to the point and yet it's packed a, a really big punch. You know, you've divided it into three parts. First, we have a description of the art of meditation and I believe it is an art. And next we have a very easy to understand explanation for how one would go about doing it. And last are the transcripts written by you and available as downloads for our audio-guided meditations by either visiting the website or using that QR code that's actually printed in the book. I mean, it doesn't get much easier than that. You've got everything right there. There, there are no excuses. This should be, you know, opening to meditation. There's no excuse now. <laughs> um, you provide. You. It's true. You provide all yeah. the tools, and you, you know, and you offer them as downloads as well, as I said. But what made you decide to write? a book on meditation. There are tons out there. We all know that. However, this one really, to me, because it's so short and easy and simple, two different things there, simple and easy, uh, it's great. But what made you decide to write it? Well, that's a great question. I, you know, I have been teaching now for more than 35 years here in mostly Los Angeles, but all over the world as well. But I live here and was born here, actually. And so, in my teachings back, especially 30 years ago, there was very little meditation out there. Uh, hardly anyone, you know, there was like just the Indian gurus that were coming out here like Paramahansa Yogananda and people like that. And it was very shrouded in mystery and differentness, you know, that a lot of people couldn't relate to. And so when I started teaching meditation, one of my goals as a teacher was to communicate these very esoteric in a very practical and usable way and so over the years i've developed a teaching method that where anybody can meditate no matter what your background or belief is and have a profound and mystical experience right away um i don't i and i give all the tools for that to happen with and including the meditations that they could use as guided meditations by me, or they can do it on their own, whichever, you know, is more natural to that person. And so the book came out of an answer to my students. That's really great. I mean, 30 years ago, let's face it, people thought people were crazy when they meditated. They're like, oh, they weren't on the deep end. Like, you know, yeah. not really. <laughs> no, yeah. It was, in in yeah, Los Angeles, it, which is one of the biggest cities in the world, there was, there were, in, all together in yoga, there were 20 yoga teachers, and I knew them all. And, you know, and oh, now there's wow. probably 20,000 yoga teachers. <laughs> yeah, if you go a walk, you're going to get a yoga teacher. That's the thing it is. Right. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. Wow, so back that in the day, is... you know, I was teaching a lot of people that were very full of fear about the subject. Yeah. It was very new. It was very different. It was, you know, not something we were familiar with like it is now. It's become so much more popular and talked about, and, you know, people write books about it and, you know, have their own personal experiences. There's so much information out there. And still my desire was to keep it simple. There's there's so much information about meditation, and as a student myself of it, of course, I've read and studied with and worked in just about every type and form of meditation that there is. And what I distilled from that is there's a common denominator, you know, through them all. And that's what I was trying to express. So it didn't matter what your background was, whether you were, you know, religious or not religious, atheistic, or, you know, uh, you know, whatever form it was that that person comes from, because those are the people I'm talking to is just people that, you know, are at the grocery store. Those were my students. And I wanted to make this, these, this gift available to people because it changes your life so much when you meditate that I, you know, I'm very motivated and passionate about the subject to share it so that they can have that experience too. It's it's very true. Your book it, it covers everything, and it does it in such a succinct way. I mean, you successfully did everything you set out to do because <laughs> Thank you. before, you know, when people were meditating, the connotation was that this is some type of a cult. This is something right. that what are you doing? People are doing strange things, and then the religion started to get involved and in saying, "Oh no!" I mean, I know Catholics to this day. I was brought up Catholic. I know Catholics to this day who are like, "Oh no, I won't go to yoga." I'm like, really? Right. What are you, crazy? Right. <laughs> you know, so meditation is really, now meditation is not a religion, though religion can be meditative, and prayer is most definitely a type of meditation, but formal religion has nothing at all to do with a meditation practice. But so many people feel that spirituality is a form of religion, and to me, spirituality is really who we are. We are spiritual beings, so meditation, again, this is just to me, is connecting with our full awareness to the essence of our true selves, being present and fully aware and and just being able to take that stillness that we need because it does, as you said, it, it helps every aspect of your life. Every single aspect of your life will change. You can just do some meditation. Isn't that right? Yes, it's, and I call it a meditation is an accelerator. You know, it's, it completely amps up the life. It brings to life the life. It takes away the numbness and the depression and, or the separ- sense of separation and aloneness. It is like lighting a candle, you know, except yeah. it's inside yourself. Yeah. And once That's you light true. that you candle, you know, your life starts to express that light. And a lot of us, you know, and I know my own process too, you know, in the beginning of feeling lost or disconnected or by myself or like nothing meant anything. I was one of those poetic seekers, you know, is is sort of my nature. And I was sad, you know, because I felt the pain of the world and sort of the craziness of the world and the hurt in the world and the hatred in the world. And I could feel all of that because I'm very sensitive and I didn't know what to do with all that stuff because that seemed like the only reality. Um, it isn't. And it's just really a misunderstanding. And once you start to meditate, you get this greater perspective and compassion for all the different perspectives in the world. <laughs> 
Yes, and your sensitivity is heightened so that you can become more intuitive. But with that also comes the ability to not take on the negativity that's all around you and only attract to yourselves those things that are kindred to you. So you end up more like-minded people, more like-minded places. You're going places and there's, you're able to get through challenges a lot better in your life because you're grounded. You're completely grounded exactly. and you don't, you're not taking all the ick on. So, exactly. yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, you know, I mean, that's all, that's all the stuff that's good for our health. You know, we have so many people are so tied to technology if they can shut their phones off for 15 or 20 minutes. And, and I will even tell people, you don't have to take 15 to 20 minutes to, to meditate. Set your kitchen clock, your, your alarm, you know, the buzzer thing on your stove for like two minutes and just sit for two minutes and just try to feel into your breath and inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale. But I'm thinking of things. No, I don't want you to think of anything. I just want you to <laughs> just on the inhale say, I am, and on the exhale say, at peace or something like that. And just do it consciously for a minute and then two minutes. And you will find that even in that time, even in that short time, you start to feel better and you will want to do it more. And I really think that the technology that we have today is great for certain things, but it certainly isn't something that's helping people when it comes to stress levels. Because to me, I'm just seeing stress levels be increased to the max through technology and because nobody's paying attention, they're not aware, and they have to go to yoga in order to get to the meditative part, Shavasana, and actually do something with themselves. Do you see that? I mean, you're a yoga instructor as well, so do you see that there are more people coming to yoga to try to relieve that stress? Oh, yeah. You know, we're in a hyper-stimulated world these days. You know, the world is going fast, really fast. And we are having, I think, group evolutional consciousness expansion. And there's just so much stimulation to that from kind of universal stimulation, but also just the stimulation of being alive on the planet at this time, of that 24-7 kind of feeling of Facebook or the news or whatever it is that's just sort of driving along fast and we're just like on a mer- trying to get on a merry-go-round, you know, running as fast as we can to catch on to it. And meditation becomes the reprieve, you know, where you can kind of regather our- ourselves, we can regather ourselves and recenter ourselves. And I call it resourcing, resource ourselves to that stable, like you were calling it, grounded place where nothing can kind of move you from that position in life. So there can be chaos all around, and there's a point of center within the self that can respond to it rather than react to it. Yeah, I agree. I think that definitely when you, uh, it helps you to remain calm and stable in any situation. So you're actually the person that people look to when something comes up, you know, because they're just so, they're too stressed. They're just so high strung. They don't know what to do. It's that vicious loop in your head when you're that stressed that you're continually doing the same thing over and over and not getting anywhere because you can't break the vicious cycle. And, And this is actually real it's a physical thing that you go through when you're that stressed out there is a vicious loop that happens in your head and people don't believe it until they you can actually you know see it in someone else when they're doing it. it's like you're doing the same thing over and over again or just calm down or just go outside walk around the block go stand against a tree and they'll you know t i'm not a tree hugger i'm not asking you to hug the tree no i'm just asking <laughs> you to go stand next to the tree you know just go do this just go take a few deep breaths and come back and, and let's see where you are and it's funny 
how that changes perspective just a few moments. And even that can be meditative. I mean, even yeah. in meditation is a practice, a formal practice, but things can be meditative that will help people. How is it that you go about starting someone out on a meditation practice? Do you start them with a, uh, a meditative things they can do, or do you just jump right into here's a practice you need to sit and do something for a certain amount of time? Right. Well, I teach a lot of philosophy when I teach about meditation. And so the first thing I do is I change their minds around a little bit and reframe things in a whole new format for them to look at life different, look at meditation differently, look at their whole experience of what they're creatively contributing to the world differently and to have hope about it. And then meditation becomes sort of the tool that you use, you know, that is the muscle that you're building. Um, and so I'm very um, gentle with people, <laughs> the gentle and guided approach, right? I, I'm very gentle because I really respect the soul's journey, right? The choices that we make uh-huh. in every, every single step we take is sacred in my mind. And so I'm very yeah. respectful of the choices someone already has made. And from that place, though, it's like trying to get a deer to come out of the forest, you know? Because mm. when we're little, we're very, very trusting little things, you know? And we're very magical when we're young. And then we learn, oh, don't be magical. And there's all of this as you're making it up. And, you know, and we learn to become very cerebral. And that place of being tested and measured and the, the ego world becomes more and more formed and we lose that magical part of ourselves, but we all know it. And there's mm-hmm. some regret about that and almost sadness. And I think some of us sometimes we're afraid to touch that place again so as not to be uh, our dream shattered or our hope dashed you know to touch that place and that because it is vulnerable and it is innocent and when you walk into the walk out into the world in that vulnerability it's scary and i think we don't want to be disappointed again you know to find out no the truth is this cynical idea you know people you know you pay your taxes and then you die (laughs) you know kind of worldview (laughs) you know it's like it and so i'm always i'm trying to inspire hope and people to even try again to touch that place where the magic of our life really is, and it is so big, and I think we know it intuitively, but we're also afraid that what if we're wrong, and it really is just nothing. <clears throat> I've noticed people turn around when when things are happening when they're with me because, you know, we don't want to be different, and yet I know I'm very different. Right. And I've been on walks with people, and I've had them, you know, walking along, and I'll look down, and I'll say, oh, look at this caterpillar. Oh, did you see that over there? Like, are you paying attention to what I'm saying? Yeah, I am, but I'm also observing everything that's around me. Or I remember once driving with my husband, and a truck went by, and it was this purple truck, and it was so clean. It looked like it had been freshly painted, a great big 18-wheeler. And I said, wow, now that is a cool truck. He's like, who pays attention to trucks? And I'm like, I don't know. I pay attention to everything. You know, I'm just looking around. I'm just being who I am. And then you notice people change because of you, and they see that it's okay to be childlike as long as you're not childish. There's a huge difference between the two. And it really gets your creative juices flowing. You know, it really helps people to open up more and see more of the world and and just – allow things to come in that's that's part of a benefit i think when you start to really meditate and just figure you know oh well when i go for a walk i'm going to be in a meditative state or or when i fold laundry i'm going to do it in a meditative way because things will open up to you and you'll notice things and you'll become 
much more, I don't know, relaxed to the world and inviting things in. Do you find that to be true? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you when you start to meditate, your life is going to change. There's not a faster way to do it. Whatever I call it, planes waiting to land, you know, when planes circle an airport because, you know, it's waiting to be allowed to come down. Our egos and our consciousness can push our push the planes back in a sense and have them circling and when you start to meditate those planes start to land and there will often what will happen is people will call out of the past or some kind of conversation with the mother or the father you know where you, there's some resolution and some healing that happens but we're also terrified of that because we don't know what that resolution is in our mind and so when we think of talking to someone that has hurt us that we need to forgive or that needs to forgive us you know, we, we're sort of letting that plane circle infinitely and sometimes through our entire life, and it doesn't get re- resolution. So when you start to meditate, those subjects start to come up in perfect and divine timing. Mm-hmm. Not all at once. All the planes don't land at once. They land in perfect divine timing. And so one plane at a time, just when you're ready, just in, in perfection with your own timing and your own inner harmony, they start landing. And so it's an amazing thing because you start to really authentically heal your heart and your life. Yeah, I really think that meditation is a huge health benefit, far surpassing any drugs that are out there, whether they're medicinal or recreational and you know people if they seriously if they did they did you know if if you do meditation you solve a lot of the health issues i mean it decreases the cortisone levels it increases your endorphins it reverses aging process you you come to a state of deep deep relaxation increased productivity and creativity improved memory better relationships the list goes on and on and on and without any horrible side effects that popping a pill or multiple pills brings about. Right. Yeah. And if you start to look at people that have a a long time meditation practice, they age differently visually too, not just internally. Their organ structure is different. The brain structure is different, which is to me a big deal. That you, when you, uh, all my teachers were very elderly when I was working with them, almost almost entirely, and they all had their minds clear as a bell. You know, and that has to do with how the corpus callosum transfers uh, information from right hemisphere to left hemisphere of the brain and that synapsing that is quick and efficient, right, so that your mind, you know, you don't forget, you keep your mind clear and you're still, you know, to me one of the best things that happens out of meditation is you, you live in a state of wonder and wondering instead of this is this, this is this, this is, and so what that allows for is creativity, a new idea or a new invention and we need all of that in our crazy world right now to heal the oceans and heal humanity <laughs> and mother earth she's she's spitting yes. healing right now she's not happy she is no. not happy yeah. at all volcanoes earthquakes tsunamis hurricanes <laughs> she's not a happy camper and i don't blame her you know she's shaking us <laughs> off like fleas I, I feel bad for her i really do <laughs> anything i can do to help i'm planting things i'm being good you know <laughs> and and my area has said you know every moment is a sacred moment my area where I live, my house and the property around it that that I live on that I own is sacred ground to me. And and I think she knows it. You know, I yes. really do. I think because weird things happen here. People wonder why the deer don't eat my stuff. Well, I ask them not to. You know, that's just the way it is. I say, yeah. you know, go out back and you do. So, 
you know, and it does, but meditation does get the creative juices flowing. Even Einstein, and, you know, and I'll ask people, don't you think Einstein was a pretty smart guy? And they're like, well, yeah. And I say, okay, this guy meditated, you know. He sat in his office at Princeton University with a rock in his hand, and he would meditate. And when he got to Theta, he would know that, you know, okay, he'd start getting ideas and invent things. And all these, everything inspiring and creative would come to him. But if he fell asleep, the rock would fall, and he'd know it went to Delta, and it'd start all over again. Because he knew right. how important it was to maintain that sense of stillness and be in a place where you can create and do all that that you do and this was one of the smartest men probably the smartest man of all time i mean he's right. einstein you know you can't really right and that's that's why a lot of these companies like apple and aol and yahoo and google and walt disney company and general mills they have meditation areas and and think, labyrinths and all kinds of things like that that are mindfulness practices, but including just pure dedicated meditation spaces because they're looking for that genius. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. Right, and they're, hoping they're trying they to develop yeah. that possibility by what, like Einstein did, of in that daydreaming kind of way, which is, you know, it, sort of a meditative state. You know, he imagined, which was so amazing about Einstein. He imagined it first, then he made the formulas. Right, but everything is like that. The thought is yeah. first, and the thought is yes. first. And when you meditate, the thought is first and foremost, and it also yes. is more clear. So you can take yes. the action. That's what the cool part is. You can visualize and see it, and then you just kind of know. Your brain says, oh, is that what you want? Here's what you need to do. And all of a sudden, you're given the messages as to how to get it done. I find that to be true, even in even even in the silliest of things. You know, I, I really do. I find that to be it could be yeah. something like I can't figure out how to get this pot in the ground and all of a sudden, you know, because it's got something on it and all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay, there you go. This is how you're going to do it. You can see it in your head clearly. And it yeah, and why wouldn't it work with something small or something large, like how to get a, a rocket to the moon or how to, you know, what? make a chair, <laughs> whatever it is, to yeah, simple it for a cake. It's yeah. all the same. It's all inspiration. Mm-hmm. Yep, and things will come to you. I notice that once you start to meditate as a practice, a formal practice, I meditate in the morning and I meditate in the evening. I do about a half an hour in the morning when I get out of bed and a half an hour before I go to bed. But during the day, there are, there are meditations that are happening because you're allowing it. Do you find that as well, that you'll be, there'll be a situation and you'll think, okay, let me just meditate for a second. And you don't even realize you're doing it. You just do it. And all of a right. sudden, boom, you've got the answer. Right. Well, there's two things. One is that you know, there's probably a lot of times that the listeners are meditating too all the time. Like when you are sometimes a runner will experience this in a certain type of, you know, they get into a certain state when they're running called the zone, right? And it's kind of a yeah. meditation. I mean, definitely is a meditation for them, but you can also have it when you're playing music or when you're listening to music or if you're creating art and all kinds of places where the mind kind of gets still and something else is happening. And so we're always trying to make room for that. And, and what I've noticed as a meditator of a, like, you know, almost my whole life, I feel that I am meditating all the time now. In the sense yeah. that I would say that I, there's such a practice in me now that there's not any time when I go unconscious. Even if I'm doing something somewhat unconscious, like let's say I'm watching TV or something, which I almost never do, but let's say I'm watching TV in order to, you know, uh, get away from the day in a way, because of my meditation practice, I'm still there, you know, like I still don't go out. And so I think that's a gift of meditation is that there's a constant 
presence. And one of the things I teach as, as a concept to my students is, wouldn't you rather have a lawyer that meditated? You know, wouldn't you rather have a doctor that meditated? Wouldn't you rather have a mother that meditated, etc.? And people just immediately know what that means because of the different sort of character that comes from learning how to mind your ego to learn to come from love and compassion and all of the side effects of meditation of, of sensitivity and uh, humanitarian, we are all one, all those concepts happen when you meditate, whether somebody tells them to you or you're aware of them or not. You will, even if you meditate all by yourself and you never had a teacher, these ideas would begin to come through because they're universal. That's so true, because, and I, I refer to them as side benefits. I'll tell people there are no right. side effects, there's side benefits. It's, you know, I mean, really, it's not going to take you down any path you don't want to go down. It's side benefits, it's all good, and you're where you're supposed to be. And I, I, but I like that constant presence that you said, because somebody said to me, well, if you're constantly in a state of meditation, then you're not in a state of awareness. I said, and there's where we differ. See, if you're in a state of meditation, if you're constantly, that means you are aware. You're in the present yes. moment because you're very you're wide awake. On. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, people think it's when everything's turned off and you don't hear anything and your eyes are closed. You're sitting in lotus and you know, and it's like, yeah, that is. That's true. You know, you're not really doing anything when you're doing that formal meditation. But when you get to a point where the day becomes a meditation. I like those yeah. days. I can't say that my days are 100% like that, but I can honestly say that probably seven days a week, I'm, I'm at 80%, you know, yeah, some days more, good. some days less, you know, and I'm yeah. like, okay, because you're just, you're doing what you have to do, but you're doing it in a way where you're allowing the flow to just happen, and right. it just does. It's a beautiful thing. Right. And, and just to add to that, what you're saying is so true. There is this... Um, that the more you meditate, the the more that that happens. It keeps amplifying, and you want to be more present. And you learn that there's nothing to be afraid of. You know that you can stand in the middle of a hospital or, you know, hard situations where there's challenge or fear, and stand there and stay with your heart open and actually be relief to that situation rather than more stress to it. You know. That is absolutely true. I mean, even in the grocery store line, okay, and people will say, you can't meditate in the grocery store line. Yeah, you kind of can because you're yeah. standing there, and you, what else are you going to do? Your cart is full. You know, this is why I use the clicker in the store I go to. My cart's full, but I go to the line where I just hit the clicker, and I'm out the door. I don't have to go through the yeah. whole process. But, you know, <laughs> when you're standing there, and there is a line, and you just think, okay, well, it is what it is. There's probably a reason why I'm stuck here. It's not. Maybe you are in a rush, but maybe you're being deterred for a moment. So take that time and just observe and feel into yeah. where you are and why you're there and that yeah. too is a meditation i i love it i think it's a, a wonderful it's really too bad that and you said this at the beginning you know when we're children and we come in with all this information and then we in, in this magic and this wonder and we lose it because we're taught isn't that a shame that we yeah. are taught to lose the magic and the wonder. And then yeah. when we're adults, we go back to find that magic and wonder by going to yoga instructors and meditation teachers to find out how do we get it back. It, yeah. it really is a shame. But it's still right there, perfectly intact, <laughs> which is good yeah. to know. You know, you don't really lose it. It's just, it's just kind of invisible or behind it, dormant or something. But it's completely there. 
But sometimes and when I when I'm working with people, they have what I call a heart opening, and when when the heart opens, that's the uh, the heart chakra. That's a significant thing. Mm-hmm. It it changes their life forever, and it doesn't happen all the time. It happens when it happens. It happens when that person's ready for that to happen, and from that point on, it's like a different. It's like being reborn in a sense. It is, it's and that you're totally and that can happen from meditation. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, no, it can. It, and that's probably, even if it's not a formal meditation, it, it is a meditative state that you're in when it happens. It can't be otherwise because you have to be in the present moment for that to actually occur. You have to right. be there in that space. Uh, but people who, who can't sit still and people who their mind is full of chatter and it goes from thought to thought to thought, and this happens to all of us. You know, we at the end of the day, you may go through a process where, you cannot stop everything that's been going on in the day. It just won't shut down. To me, the easiest thing to do, my, my pra- part of my practice is to write down my gratitudes for the day at the end of the day so that I can then look back and say, oh, look at everything I'm grateful for. And right there, I start to ease into the meditation again. And that stops my mind chatter. But some people, they just can't do that. They can't sit still and they can't stop the, the thoughts from, from going on in their heads. What do you do for those people? Well, I think that's kind of every people, in my experience anyway, at least in the beginning. And even as you, and you can probably know this yourself, that as long as we've been meditating, both of us, there's still days when it's, the chatter is there. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and I feel that mostly that's the case. And I talk about looking for the spaces in between the thoughts and in between mm-hmm. the breaths, which is even more profound. Because time is, the experience of time that we appear to, to have of minutes and days and years and all of that is very different in the spiritual from the spiritual perspective so when you touch into those a space between breaths or between the thoughts there is even if it's just for a moment it kind of opens up a field that becomes ever available and you don't need to be there for hours you just need to be there at all and just touching it will change the mind or open the consciousness or open the heart and sometimes, you know, I think in the efforting to quiet the mind entirely, it, first of all, can't be done in that way anyway. You can't attack the brain. It'll just fight for its life back, right? So you have right. to sort of love the ego, love the mind, and then inside that space there's a point of perhaps nirvana that could happen where you're just in an, an endless <laughs> Uh, uh, inspired place, but that's not the average person on, on the planet or even average meditator. And you, we're, we're more likely to experience moments of that. And that's a lot, though, because any experience of that, you can't look, you know, it's like looking at people that have killed or, you know, the things that we say you know, are wrong or with, that we would disagree with in our hearts. Even when you have a meditation practice, you start to even have a different kind of look, mm-hmm. perception yes. of that. Like you're not, I, would, I find, I'm not angry in the same way or, you know, revenge or, you know, let's get them. I, I just don't have that because so goes him, so go I, you know, which like That's right. <laughs> or her. Right, And so you start to live in this sort of lifted up position of compassion for others. And just one more thought on that is like the Bodhisattva principle, right, which is so beautiful, says basically this, that the Buddha cannot ascend until every being does before him. 
which is profound, mm. right? So they are, they, so, so we are a one life, you know? And so you start to really feel, know that in your body and your mind. And of course, everything starts to change in our philosophies too, because it's not all about, you know, revenge any longer. It's about love. You know, that is so very true. Change in every way, that feel that is ever available. When you, the first time you, you get there, you know something happened to you. You, you won't forget right. it. You'll be like, I remember the first time I got there, and you want to go back. But it, it's getting over that hump to get to that first time. And then once you do it, you can really get into the meditation and continue it over and over and over again. And you do change. There is less judgment. We shouldn't be judging people anyway. We should look at the judgment, you know, add a little discernment, you know, uh, and, and right. look at the admiration that we have with the people instead. But it's funny to talk to <laughs> others and say, well, I don't have, I, I don't feel horrible about something someone has done because there but for the grace of God go I because I really yes. believe I really and truly believe this if any one of us lived a life of any person who we think is horrific if we lived their life it would have to go down the same way because that's the way it was written and that's the way it has exactly. to be in order for everything else to happen so I believe there's a reason for everything and I'm not condoning and saying oh it's good I'm just saying that's the way it had to be and right. unfortunately, that's the person that had to do it. But it could have been my piece of the puzzle. I just chose not to have that piece, you know. But exactly. in another life, I might be doing what that person did because right. there is no space or time. Humans put that together, you know. We do that for us. So to get to that point in our heads, in, in, our, in our fields, in our energy, because we're all just energy and feel into it and know that we are all connected. So you kind of have to feel compassion because a piece of you is a piece of me. So a piece <laughs> of that person that I think is horrible is a piece of me too. So, you know, right. do you agree with that? Am I crazy here? Or? No, I mean, I was, I was saying the same thing. I, you're preaching to the yeah. choir. I mean, for sure. You know, it's like when it, now in my life, because I, I pretty, I practice non-judgment. I mean, that's one of the ten, first tenets of spirituality. There's two tenets. One is do not judge. And the bigger one than that, that over Overrides that one even is do no harm. You know, it's mm -hmm. like from that place, you, it, it includes ourselves, right? To not harm ourselves, to not have violence in our thinking towards ourselves or towards another, to really practice. And to me, this whole thing is about love. How do I love? How do I love better? How do I? And and love has many colors to it. It's not just. Um, you know, soft and tender, it can be strict, but it is love. Mm -hmm. And to me, meditation and spirituality is the practice of what would love do. You know, it's funny that you say harm none, because that is the Wiccan mantra, okay? Really? And, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I looked into yeah. everything before. You know, I was choosing yeah. a living a long time. Okay, what can I do? Oh, I think I'll try it a Wiccan way. People thought that, that was crazy. It's like, you know what? They don't, this is not black magic. This is not witchcraft. This is a religion that believes in Mother Earth, harming nothing. Yeah. There's really nothing wrong with this religion, and I'll put that in air quotes, because it's it's just a way of being, and it really is a spiritual practice. You can learn every single religion or or, or spiritual thing out there has a piece to it that is good and perhaps a piece that might not be to everyone's liking. So you take what you can right. from the part that you like and leave the rest behind and then make up your own little thing and do it. But harm none is so 
so important, you know, because yeah, when well, you I have think it's an ancient principle that has been picked yeah. up by many groups, you know, mm-hmm. and it's really an inside of any religion or any philosophy, mostly that are of the love ones to um, do no harm. Is it's such a, a global? You need no commandments <laughs> if there's right. if you're doing no harm, right? You wouldn't lust, you wouldn't envy, you wouldn't covet, you wouldn't kill you know, when you're doing no harm. <laughs> yeah. If you're coming from that place of love, if you're coming from your heart center, then, yeah, yeah. everything is right. No matter what right. it is. Because if I right. harm you, I harm me, you know. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's amazing. And, you know, as you said before, it is becoming more and more popular as time goes by that, you know, meditation is something that people are getting more into because they know now that there are so many benefits health-wise and just you know, reducing stress. That's the biggest thing out there that's going on right now. You know, I, I think that the reason behind it is because there there is so much that they have to live up to at this point in time. Do you think that meditation is at a critical point for people now because of the way that, as you said at the beginning, it's quickening, the world is quickening, and everything is so fast yeah. that we have to get it down? Yeah, that's a great way to say it, a quickening. Yeah, you know, to me, we are definitely in an evolutional push to humanity's expansion of consciousness, right? We are growing as a as a one life into a into a world of into a new world that we're literally creating now. And I do believe why there's so many people on the planet and there's so many conscious people on the planet right now is that we are midwifing a new world. No, I like that. We are midwifing the new world. That's a great way to yeah. put that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's something new. And, and the, the children that are being born now, it's so funny to look at a baby when it's two or three days old and you see it as a baby. And then you see the baby like a month later. It's like, this is no longer a baby. This baby <laughs> is already into It's true. You look at the child yeah. and you think, this baby is already turning into a toddler. And people say, well, exactly. a month or two old, how can you say that? Look in this child's eyes. They are much smarter. They're coming in a whole lot smarter than we right. are where we are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and in meditation and all this whole world of metaphysics is about being, you know, the essence, essential self. And when a baby is born, they're coming in, any baby is in full, complete essence. And when we're meditating, we're trying to return to that essence so that we have a relationship mm-hmm. with our truest note and the reason that we were born even. And that you get this relationship in meditation with your higher self that becomes a, like a friendship and more like a marriage. It is a union in a sense with the soul. That's very true. Yeah. And, and, you, and you get back to that. And, and you can feel it when that's happening. You can feel yes. it when you're at your soul level. And, you know, it's funny. I did a show on Tantra, and everybody thought it was going to be about sex. And I said, I don't think you people understand. Tantra (laughs) has nothing to do with sex. It's something that people put onto it. But it's really being in touch with your own soul. It's living – if you live a Tantra life, you're not necessarily going out and, you know – having fun with everybody you meet that's not the goal (laughs) you're just living to your true self it's very interesting i'd like to take some of the questions that the common questions that you have in your book some of them are you know just to give people an idea of uh, what it is that they will learn from your book Uh, people ask questions like how long should i meditate 
Yeah, uh, well, <laughs> so I will answer that in the moment. Um, what I teach people to do in the beginning is to meditate a little, like just to sit, like you said, two minutes, right? Just sit for two minutes. And I'll say five minutes. Sit for five minutes every day if, and make a commitment to do like three weeks of that as a little exercise to see, like an experiment, right? Because yeah. in three weeks, doing five minutes your life will change. That's it for sure. Yeah. Now, the problem is, because I teach groups all the time, tens of thousands of people over the years, is in that three-week time, maybe I'll be doing uh, you know, three sessions over three weeks with people. I would say about, let's say 100 people are there, I would say 10 people meditate every day, like that, five minutes. And 10 people never meditate at all during the whole period, <laughs> except for when we meet. <laughs> and everybody else is in between someplace. <laughs> But the 10 people that meditated every day will have a striking experience. And even the ones that meditated once, even the ones that just meditated when we got together, even that little bit will change their life. So I say, if you can just put into your life a few minutes where there's full awareness, the practice, because you are building a muscle of will over the ego that wants to just run like a wild stallion in every direction, is you're teaching like the consciousness becomes sort of the rider of that stallion. So that stallion ego isn't just running after anything or laying down in the middle of the road or whatever. There's a rider on that horse, and that rider is the soul. And you start to build this relationship with that place, but you can't do that unless you do it, right? And so right. I always say, you know, meditation will change your life and do so many things, side effects like you called them, um, but nothing will happen if you don't meditate. <laughs> so you right. can read books about it and think about it, but the action is in the doing, and in the doing comes the benefit. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you know, because, I mean, you can plan a trip, and if you sit in your house, that trip's not going to happen. You have to get your butt in the car and drive to the airport and get on the plane and go on your trip. One of the exactly. questions that I always get that was also in your book is, what do I do with my hands? I'm like, I don't know. What do you want to do with your hands? Leave me your hands. Put them on your head. Be comfortable. <laughs> right. Yes, and I, I talked about that because people really do wonder that because in a lot of systems yeah. of meditation, because there's hundreds of ways to meditate, right? Uh, some mm -hmm. of them use mudras like that, and mudras are hand positions that are energetics that do particular things to open up chakras or to quieten chakras, depending, and other things. And so they get taught a mudra. And then they think that it has to always be that. And I always say those, it's good to listen to your teacher and see what your teacher would offer to you because they're intuitively perhaps doing a prescriptive kind of correction. But when we're meditating on our own, our own inner self has a wisdom. And what I've noticed is people naturally will find themselves in a position that is the exact right position for them, even better than maybe something they could find in a book, because they're, they're, our innate knowing guides us to that position with our hands, for instance. Absolutely, and I tell people the same thing. Go with the guidance here. Use this as guidance, but you will fall into your own you will fall into what it will come to you to do what you need to do for your meditation. But for guidance to start, 
you know, hands, palms up, try hands, palms down, see the difference, what's more comfortable. You will come to a place where you will see. I like my, my hands, palms up, especially if I decide if I'm really tired and I actually get in bed and say, okay, I'm going to meditate and I just know I'm going to fall asleep and wake up tomorrow morning. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. so much for meditation. Palms up. <laughs> is much more comfortable than, I mean, every once in a while, you know, I'm laying like a dead person with my hands across my heart, and I'm like, okay, that's not comfortable. Uh, you know, <laughs> it, it, you just feel it. You just change. So you shift. And so everybody yeah. comes into their own way, like you said. But you Right. Guide- and open, open palms is a receptive position, and you'll see a lot of people meditating like that naturally. Their palms go up because they're receiving, right, where I'm open. And when you put your palms down, it doesn't mean you're not open. It's a, more of a collecting and a containing of energy, right? Every single shape that your hands could possibly make from folding them or, or a particular mudra, you know how you see in the images a lot, the thumb over the index finger, you know, these all have very distinct purposes, and you may find yourself doing that particular shape on one hand and a different one on the other. And just to trust your own process that the higher part of you will guide you right and slip you into effortlessly into the most efficient um, connection for you, for us. Exactly. Yeah, you're going to get where you need to be for you. Everybody's different. Everybody's unique. It's just a guidance to to follow to get you there so that you'll be able to fall into it. Now, one question, I'm only going to do a few of the questions, but one of the questions that I get asked that's also in your book is what if I can't stop thinking? Now, for me, I cheat because I have a CD called Imagine, and it is me playing my quartz crystal singing bowl. So I tell people, put the CD on, and if your mind starts to chatter, bring yourself back. This is meditation. Bring yourself back. The awareness to bring yourself back to what you're supposed to be doing and follow the tones of the bowl. Just follow the tones of the bowl, and it will stop the mind chatter, and it does every time. And so yeah. that's cheating <laughs> no <laughs> no it's, it's like a guided meditation which i'm doing i guess you yeah. call that cheating too but it isn't it's it's just a way in it becomes a pathway to getting into a state and it, it whether it be bowls or chanting out loud or you know singing chanting like some traditions will use they, they or or even you know vipassana where you're following the breath those are, uh, to me, they're more like a toolkit, you know, and you find which one's familiar to your hand, you know, that you use this way, and that's your directest route to where you're, to that, that meditational state. So I find that when people are just the same with the hands, when they're attracted to some way, it's, it is the right way for them. It might not be the end right. all. It might, there might be something that changes or it, it grows into, but where you find yourself is where you're supposed to be. If you get invited to a group by your good friend, you know, that's the group. That's the place. That's they, This conversation for somebody might be the conversation that sets them on a meditation practice because it was you and I talking that woke up that light in them that they recognized intuitively, and now they go out and buy that book or they go and join a class because of this conversation we're having right now (laughs) and that's the goal and what a great way to say okay well now we're almost at the top of the hour (laughs) i can't believe the top of the hour is almost here but we are almost at the top of the hour but before we go i really would love you to tell our listeners how they can learn more about you and where they can purchase your book opening to meditation a gentle guided approach 
Oh, thank you. That's so sweet. It, well, the, you know, any of the outlets that you can get a book, my book will be there, and online ones as well, Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and all that, and some of your local bookstores, which I always like to support especially, you know, the littler stores in your neighborhood, yeah. and um, they yeah. often will have it, and if they don't, they can order it. Uh, you can also go on to my website, which is dianalang.com. And the other thing I'd love to mention is I offer um, – hundreds and hundreds of meditations on SoundCloud that are free. And people can just hook in and listen, and, and there's thousands of listeners. And it's, and it's something I just want to do. I offer, I've offered it for many years, and they're on every subject in the world. <laughs> and so you can practice with someone if you, with my guidance. And the other thing I offer are world service meditations that I do monthly, which I love. And this is where we are holding the planet in certain kinds of alignments for healing on the planet and war and cleaning and healing our, our earth, as you said. Um, and people can join in to that too. And that's also free. <laughs> and I love that. I really do. Yeah. Kudos to you for doing that. That's great to do Thank that. Thank you. We, the world certainly needs it, you know. Uh, so yes. listeners, you know, we need you to spread the word. We know you enjoy what you hear on Energy Awareness Radio, so please share it with your friends. We live in a very challenging and constantly changing world, and that's why I have the guests that I do, to keep you apprised so you won't get lost in the dross of life. We need to stay aware so we can navigate easily and live the life we're meant to live productively, healthfully, and purposefully. This is where you find the tools to do just that. So send the link for this show that you just heard to everyone you know and let them have the same opportunity that you just had so they may learn and grow and make the world a better place for all. On behalf of everyone here at Energy Awareness Radio, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. My name is T-Love, and I hope you'll be back next week for another great show here at Energy Awareness Radio. For more information about me, please visit my website, quantumwellness.org. You'll find an archive list of past shows, a lineup for upcoming shows, as well as information about other upcoming events I'll be hosting, including upcoming Crystal Singing Bowl concerts. And if you're not in the area or you can't make a concert, you can order one of my CDs, Imagine. And I've just signed on with Cloudwalking Records, so they have the CD, and there will be a link on the site to get that. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at NRG Aware Radio. That's at NRG Aware Radio. Diana, I can't thank you enough for being on. This was a great show. It went by too fast, but it was a great show. <laughs> That's a good sign, though, right? <laughs> it is, yes. I am your host, Key Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio, intending you and yours a most wonderful week. Remember, living from your heart is quite easy. You need only give thanks to do so. Take care and stay well. <laughs> 